The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. If you got your Bible, go to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. We're going to have to start seriously talking, people, about another service. Because it's full in here. And that's good. We like that, just so you know. But we, we're going to have to find another way. Maybe Saturday night? What do you guys think about that? Yeah! Okay, 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 okay. Yeah. Colossians chapter 3. We're in a series right now called Dual Citizen. And we're talking about our kingdom status. That when we made Jesus the Lord of your life, uh, you become a citizen of heaven. That you're born into this flesh and you're, you're born into this, this world. And so you have citizenship on this world. But when you're born again into the kingdom of God you become a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. And what we're doing through the series is we're looking at kingdom living. We're looking at kingdom realities and working to bring those kingdom realities into this earthly realm that we, we, we live in. And so last week, if you were here, we talked about the win of the kingdom. And when I say win, I don't mean W-I-N, I mean W-H-E-N, the win of the kingdom. And we said that the kingdom of heaven is now. Look at somebody beside you and say, it's now. Now. Jesus, the, the kingdom of gospel that Jesus came to share is not a die and then gospel. It's a here and now gospel. It's something God wants you to experience. He wants you to be engaged with. That's why he said, pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. As Christians, as believers, we're called to bring heavenly realities into the earthly reality that we live in here today. And because of Jesus, we can do that because the kingdom of heaven can come and rule and reign in us. If you were here last week, we said that the kingdom of heaven is anywhere that the rule of God is taking place. So when you make Jesus the Lord of your life, God comes to live inside of you. The Spirit of God comes to rule and reign inside of you. And as you submit yourself to that, you can now experience walking out the rule and the reign of God in this kingdom world that you're living in. So that's our job, to bring heavenly realities into the earthly reality. We're on an assignment. So if you missed that message, uh, I want to encourage you, make sure you go back and listen to it. You can watch uh, on YouTube or newsongpeople.com slash live, or you can listen to the podcast. Make sure you catch up with us there. Today, I want to kind of keep building on the, one of the ideas we talked about last week, which if you were here, one of the things we said last week is that the kingdom of heaven typically is diametrically opposed to the kingdom of the world. In other words, when you look at scripture and you see Jesus talking about the kingdom, uh, many times as he shared the kingdom and bringing the kingdom and his disciples were working to build this kingdom, it was completely opposite. Like it flipped the culture, the political culture of the Roman Empire on his head. It flipped the religious culture and the routines and the, the rituals of the religious culture on its head. And beyond that, you also see things taking place in the world around Jesus and the world around his disciples, which by the way, you're a disciple. You're seeing things take place that are flipping just the reality of the world on its head. And so what we see out of that is the kingdom of heaven upsets the world in major ways, and it upsets uh, the, and affects the world in major ways. So the kingdom of heaven should be upsetting the world, and it should be affecting the world. You guys with me this morning? So here's what I want you to see. If you're walking in the reality of the kingdom of heaven, you're not going to be walking in step with the kingdom culture of this world. There's people that are going to get upset. Political systems are going to be upset. People are not going to like what you're doing because you're upsetting what their reality is. 
and they don't want to live in the kingdom of heaven reality. And so you're bringing something different and they're not going to always like it. There's going to be a resistance to that. And if you're walking and you find yourself going, you know, me and the culture of this world, we're pretty much agreeing on a lot of stuff. You're walking in the wrong direction. (laughs) Just so you know, that's not how it goes. So I want to talk to you this morning about this idea of flipping the script. Somebody say flipping the script. And here's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about this idea of kingdom down, not culture up. So we're talking about living kingdom down, bringing the kingdom realities of heaven into the reality of the earthly world, not living culture up. So we're not glorifying the culture and living based on the culture. We're living based on the kingdom and we're bringing those realities into the reality of this world. But the problem, here's the problem for the world and here's the problem for a lot of Christians is that we live glorifying the culture of the world because that's the world that we experience with our five senses. And so we base our life on that world saying, this is a real, this is reality. This is reality. The problem is that this reality that we live in, in this world that we experience with your, your five physical senses, guess what? This was created from a heavenly reality. And since that world created this world, that world's actually more real than this world. Even though you can't touch it, smell it, taste it, always feel it. Although today in worship, you can kind of feel it a little bit, right? Heaven invading the earth a little bit. But even if you can't feel it, it doesn't mean it's not real. And there are things that God wants to do in your life that in order for those things to take place, you have to learn how to tap into that reality, the heavenly reality, in order to experience what God wants to do from there here. But if you just live from here, you're you're never going to experience that. And so what the enemy wants to do is he wants you to just live here, low-level living where you base your decisions on culture and the world. You, you base your trust and your faith on culture and the world, and you live culture up instead of kingdom down. But, but I want you to know, the problem with this way of living is this, this culture up living. Here's the problem with it. The world is wrong. <laughs> like, the world is wrong. It's way off, way off. And if you live according to this world, it's going to lead to destruction and it's going to lead to death. It's going to poison your life. It's going to poison your purpose. It's going to keep you from who God's called you to be and the impact he's called you to make in this world while you're still here. We're here for a reason. And if we're going to walk in relationship with God like he wants us to have, connected to him, and if we're going to walk in the purpose he has for us, we we got to get this right. Okay, so Colossians chapter 3. Paul's talking to the church of Colossians, and he gives us some insight into this kingdom living stuff that we're going to dive into today. We're going to look at verse 1 through 10 here. Starting verse 1, it says this. Since you, since then you have been raised with Christ. Okay, stop right there. First of all, realize who this is to. This is talking to you that have been raised with Christ. So who is that? That's a Christian. That's a believer. That's someone who's made Jesus the Lord of their life. So the first thing I want you to see is everything I'm going to talk to you about today, in order to see this working in your life, in order to live kingdom down, you have to have citizenship in the kingdom. You have to make Jesus the Lord of your life. It starts there. So some of you, maybe you've never made that decision today, or maybe you haven't really bought into that fully. And so I want you to know is what I'm going to talk about today, you cannot do unless you've submitted your life to Jesus Christ and to the rule and reign of his kingdom. Now, if you haven't done that, you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, it's not, it's not bad news. The good news is you can. And I'm going to help you with that at the end of the service. And so I want you to still listen and pay attention, but just know you can't do this. Any of this stuff can't be taking place in your life. You can't live kingdom down 
All you can do is lift culture up unless you make Jesus the Lord of your life. Okay, so let's move on. He says this. He says, set your hearts. Notice he says set. Now what I want you to see today is there's a lot of intentionality that comes into this. Setting. Setting means there's an intentionality. This morning I woke up because I set an alarm last night. I looked at my, my phone and I said, okay, this is what time I got to get up because I got to get ready and I got to drive to the church and I got to be there at this time. And so I'm setting my alarm with intentionality so that it will wake me up so that I can go do what I'm supposed to do. God says you need to set your, your hearts. You need to set your hearts. Look at what he goes on to say. On things above on, a, on another realm, on a different perspective, on the heavenly realm. Set your, your, your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. What Sarah was just talking about in her oversight, where, where we live recognizing, we're setting our hearts that we are seated with Christ Jesus in a place, a position where we're close to God and we have dominion and authority through Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross. That's your seat. Set your heart there. Live from there, okay? Let's go on, verse 2. Set your minds on things above. Again, intentionality. And notice it's, once again, above. It's a different perspective. Set your minds, what you consider, what you think about, how you reason. It's not based on the culture of this world. It's not based on what you're seeing in the world. No, no, no. It's based on the kingdom. Based on what the word of God says. We don't base it on the world. We base it on the word. Amen? Amen. Uh, it goes on to say this, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. So the idea that we start off with here is, is kingdom focus. It's, it's living from a higher perspective. It's not living low level. It's not basing our decisions. It's not basing our life. It's not basing our faith, the direction of our life on the culture of the earth. It's basing it on kingdom culture. We live in this world, but we're not of this world, right? So, so we need to see our circumstances. We need to see the decisions we're making from a kingdom of heaven perspective. Let's go on. Verse 3. It says, For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Verse 4. When Christ, who is, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Hang on to that verse. We're going to come back to that. You can highlight that, put a note by that. That's a big verse. We're going to unpack it here in a second. Verse 5. Put to death... Therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. So there's some stuff in you that's low-level living. And, the enemy said, and God says, you got to put that stuff to death. you got to kill it off because it's going to kill you if you don't kill it. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Idolatry is the worship of something other than God. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourself of such things as anger, and rage and malice and slander and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices. We got to take off, again, intentionality. Take off the old self and have put on, again, intentionality. You got to put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge and the image of the creator. So let me, let me highlight some stuff for you that God showed me here. There's a lot to unpack. I'd encourage you to spend some time studying these 10 verses this week, but let me show you the stuff God showed me this week. And let me just tell you, man, I'm pumped about this. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. I, is Judy in here this morning? Judy? Judy's in here. I sent Judy a text this week because I was, I, was, I was working on this message and I got, God showed me some stuff. I got excited and I was like, I got to do something. And there's a table in my, in my, in my office and I just turned it over. I took a picture of it and I sent it to Judy and I just said, get ready. <laughs> so get ready. If you're sitting around Judy, be careful. 
because she will, she will take you out. She gets excited. So let me highlight a few things. Somebody say, flip the script. Flip the script. All right, first of all, look back at Colossians 3, verse 1. Set your hearts on things above. And then verse 2, set your minds on things above. So Paul is saying, you've got to set your life on things above. We've got to live intentionally from a higher perspective. Now, there, there's a truth here that we see, and it's woven all throughout Scripture, that life comes from above. Life comes from above. We see that woven throughout the whole Bible. In fact, you think back to the beginning in Genesis, when God is creating, what does he do? He creates this earthly reality that we're in. This is the below reality from the heavenly reality above. Life comes from above. We also see in Genesis 1-7 that as he's creating this world in the creation narrative, he actually distinguishes between life above and life below. Let me show you this. It says, God made this space to separate the waters of the earth from the waters of the heavens. So God makes this distinction between waters above and waters beneath. Now, if you know anything about the Bible, you know that water represents in scripture life. So what God is saying is there's a difference between life from above and life from beneath. And he likens that to water. Now think about water for just a moment. Think about natural water that exists in our world today. The water that exists on planet earth that is connected to this earth, what happens to it? It becomes distorted by this earth. It becomes polluted by this earth. Like think about the oceans, for example. The oceans are water. It's water, right? But we all know if you drink that water, it doesn't provide life. It will kill you. You know why? Because it's connected and it's polluted by the world. This world pollutes it. Uh, think about lakes and ponds. Lakes and ponds will have bacteria and parasites in them. Nasty, weird, creepy, scary stuff that can happen. And you got to be careful. Be careful in that lake. Lake people, be careful. It's dangerous. But why is it like that? Because it's polluted by, by the earth. The water that's fresh in our world has to go through a process or, or the water that comes from above that comes down and it begins to run and flow and provide life here in this earth. Like you can go outside on a rainy day and you can just open up your mouth and it can just rain into your mouth and it's not going to kill you. It's going to refresh you, right? Because that, that water has the power of life in it to sustain you and refresh you. In the same way, listen, the, God wants to refresh you and, and, and sustain you. And that power comes from not being connected to this earth, solely to this earth, but being connected and sourced by him. You think about the story of, of the Israelites when they were coming out of Egyptian captivity. If you know the story, they're, they're in slavery in Egypt, and they've been in slavery for 400 years. It's been bad. It's been an ugly situation for them. And then God decides it's time to free them. And so what does he do? He sends his man into the scene with a message to let my people go. And Moses goes in and you know the whole thing. There's plagues and there's all this stuff. And then they're, they cross over the Red Sea. And now they're on a journey towards a promised land. But in the journey, they, they have a season where they're in a wilderness. And when they're in the wilderness, the wilderness has nothing for them. The wilderness cannot provide for them. And so what does God do? From above, he sources them. He provides a cloud in the heavens that not only leads them, but it shades them and keeps them cool during the day as they travel. He provides a fire at night that not only leads them, but at night when it cools off, it provides warmth for them and keeps them sustained. He provides manna from heaven from above that comes down to the earth that provides refreshing and, 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 and sustains them and, and helps them. 
As they're journeying through this wilderness, going to the promised land, God is their source because the wilderness had nothing for them. In the same way, listen, church, because of Jesus, God sent his son, Jesus, to be the man to come to this world to save us from the slavery of sin. And we're on our way to a promised land. We're on our way to eternal life in heaven someday with God. But in the middle of this right now, we find ourselves in a season of a wilderness. And I want you to know this wilderness, this world has nothing for you. There's nothing in this world that's going to provide for you. This stuff is going to lead to death. It's going to lead to poison. It's going to hurt you. And so what we have to do is we have to, we have to tap into the resource above God. We have to connect with him and allow him to provide what it is he wants to provide. He wants to protect you. He wants to, to sustain you. He wants to minister life and healing and refreshment to you, but you got to be connected to him. And what the enemy wants to do is he wants to come to you and he wants to tell you, you can find joy and peace. You can find life in the things of this world, but you can't. See, he, he comes only to kill, steal, and destroy. And he's trying to trick you. And, and what I even see sometimes Christians do is we try to, we try to mingle our life where we want to live from that heavenly perspective, but we also want to bring all this stuff from the world in. It's kind of the same as me bringing you a big glass of, of water that's pure and then saying, I'm just going to put another cup of, of ocean water in with this. And you drink that, and over time, it's going to poison you and it's going to hurt you. And some of us, we're drinking from the wrong well. We're drinking of this world and it's going to hurt you. I'm here to tell you, it's going to hurt you. It's going to do damage to you. Real life comes from above. So God wants to bring real life to you. It's not found in this world. It's found in above. So we got to flip the script. We got to quit trying to live culture up, trying to mix our life with the culture of this world. Listen, you're an alien in this world. If you're a Christian, we don't live from this world. We live for this world not for this world's approval, but to help this world, to bring the light of Jesus Christ. But we're not living from this world. What we need comes from God, comes from above. Can I get an amen? Yes. So, so we got we to gotta flip the script. Let me say it like this, and this is not a beer commercial, okay? The high life comes from the highway. The high life comes from doing things God's way. It comes from being submitted to his word. It comes from being submitted and empowered by the Holy Spirit in your life. That's how you walk the high and, and live in the high life on the high way with God. So how do we do this? Okay, I got three points for you this morning. We're going to flip the script. Here's three things you got to do. Number one, you got to live up. You got to live up. We're bringing, we're bringing kingdom down. We're not living culture up, right? So in order to do that, we're going to have to live up. We're going to have to change our perspective. Now look at this with me. Verse 4, Colossians chapter 3, says, When Christ, who is your life, notice he's your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Okay, so let me let you know a little something about Jesus. Jesus is perfect. He's without sin. He's holy. He's incredible. He's perfect. And this verse tells us, when he appears, you will also appear with him. How in the world is that possible? Here's how. Because in him, you're perfect. I don't think some of you got that. In him, you're perfect. You say, Pastor Josh, I'm not perfect. You're not perfect in your performance. No, but you're perfect in your position. In the heavenlies. In a different reality. Remember, we're living, we're, we're looking up. So who are you in the kingdom of heaven? See, so often what we do is we're, we're children of God, but we live saying, well, who, we, who I am is who I am here on this earth. 
That's culture up. We're kingdom down. Who are you in Christ? Because that's who you really are. And in him, you're perfect. Not perfect in your performance. None of us are perfect in your performance. You know, when we get saved, we make Jesus the Lord of our life. In that moment, the Bible says you're, you get a new spirit. You're born again. You receive a brand new spirit. But how do you know? You're, you're a three-part being. Spirit, soul, and body. Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions, right? And when you get saved, how many you know you still probably had some problems in your mind, in your will, and in your emotions? That didn't just all go away. But now you have the power to overcome that and walk in the spirit. But, but, but you still have that stuff. How many know the day you, you asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life, you didn't get a brand new body. Like all of a sudden you weren't in the best shape of your life. There'd be a lot more people getting saved if that was the case. But that's not the case. So what happens is in the inside, God does a miracle. And now our job is to walk out our salvation. And from the spirit, from the inside, work out our salvation, work it out into the realities of our earth. But it starts by recognizing who you are in Christ. Hebrews 10 verse 14 says this, talking about you being perfect, for by a single offering, that's talking about the cross, he, that's talking about Jesus, has perfected for all time, he's perfected for all time, uh, those who are being sanctified. So it's interesting. He's perfected us and we're being sanctified. He perfected you in the spirit, but you're being sanctified in your flesh and in your mind. That's what's going on. So there's a work taking place here and we're working it out here. So, so here's what we're doing, church. Get this. What we're doing is we're looking to the heavenlies. We're looking from the perspective of heaven and who we are in Christ Jesus made perfect. And what we're doing is we're bringing our earthly realities into alignment with our heavenly reality. And where they don't match up, we make adjustments accordingly. So who who am I in the spirit? Who am I in heaven? Who will I be for all eternity? That's who I am. And so now I'm going to bring this reality, this earthly reality, into agreement with that reality of who Jesus Christ has made me. We're going to work that out. So get this. I spend my life on earth continually becoming who I already am in heaven. So I'm working out my salvation. I'm working to make my, my earthly life look like who I will be in heaven. So in the kingdom of heaven, guess what? You're righteous. That means you're in right standing. As, as far as the spirit goes, you're righteous. You're in right standing with God. So now we look at our earthly reality and we go, okay, in my mind, in my will, in my emotions, is, am, I, am I in right standing in those areas with God? And if not, I make adjustments based on the word empowered by the spirit. In my body, am I, am I in right standing with God? Is this God's highest and best for my body? What I do with my body, is this God's highest and best? And if not, I bring that into alignment and agreement with, the, with who I am in the kingdom. You guys tracking with me? Uh, in, in the kingdom, I'm holy, without sin. That's who you are in your spirit. Can I say that about my mind, my will, and my emotions? Can I say that about how I operate in my body? No. So what do I do? I bring my earthly reality into alignment with the heavenly reality. In, in, in heaven, you're free. Your spirit's been made free in Christ Jesus. So now I bring my earthly reality into agreement and alignment with the heavenly reality. Am I not free in an area? My mind, will, emotions, am I not free? If not, I, I go to the word and empowered by the spirit, I work that out. So, so here's, a, here's a quick way of saying this, a way of kind of process this. If I won't be doing this in heaven, I probably shouldn't be doing it on earth. Yeah. 
That's a really good question you need to be asking yourself. Is what I'm doing, is this what I will be exercising and practicing in heaven someday? And if not, adjustments need to be made. Empowered by the Spirit. Submitted to the Word. So in heaven, you're not going to lie. Not even like a little lie. Like no, no, no. No white lies in heaven. So if that's the truth for heaven, probably needs to be the reality of the world that we're living in, right? If we're living kingdom life, we can, you can align yourself with culture, but you're not going to walk in the fullness of what God has for you. In heaven, you're not going to gossip. Like there's not, you're not going to be like, hey, Paul, come here. You won't believe what Elisha's been doing. No, that won't happen. So if it won't be happening in heaven, it shouldn't be happening here on earth. In heaven, you're not going to chase women. You're not going to look at porn. You're not going to do this stuff in heaven. So if you're not going to do it in heaven, we're going to align who we are here with who we're going to be there because that's who we really are. We're not going to live culture up. We're going to live kingdom down. So that's why, that's why Jesus said, pray on earth as it is in heaven. When he said that, he wasn't just saying, pray that everything's going to be perfect. He was saying, pray that the Spirit of God will help you and empower you to become who you'll be in heaven here. That the kingdom of heaven on earth as it is in heaven. Who you are in heaven on earth. That's what God wants for you. So that's what we're praying for. That's what we're seeking. So we're living up. We're living from our perfection in Christ Jesus. And here's the cool news for you. We get to choose. If you're a Christian, you get to choose. Now, if you're not a Christian, if you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, you don't get to choose. You have to live from this culture. That's all you have access to. But if you made Jesus the Lord of your life and you're a dual citizen, you get to choose to either live in this kingdom of the earth or to live from the kingdom perspective of Jesus Christ in heaven. You get to make that choice. And how you make it is based on where you set your mind. That's why the Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So... I can either set my mind on heaven, upward, or above, or I can set my mind below on this earth. I can either draw my reasoning from culture, or I can draw my reasoning from the heavenly perspective. Am I helping you this morning? Yes. So we're going to listen, we're going we're gonna to live up, live up to who we will be in heaven, live up to who Jesus has already made us in our spirit. Here's number two, you got to kill off, kill off. Look at verse Five, Colossians chapter three, verse five says, put to death. In other words, kill. Everybody say kill. kill. You got to kill it. Kill. Therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Paul says there's some stuff in your nature and it's in your nature because you got it from the culture of this world. There's some stuff in us that you got to put to death. You got to kill it. Why? Because it's going to hurt you. It's low level living. And it's going to keep you from God's highest and best. It's going to keep you from the relationship he wants to walk with you in. It's going to keep you from interacting with people the way God's called you to. And so notice he doesn't just say, he doesn't say, put it away. He doesn't say, leash it. He doesn't say, try to cage it up. He says, kill it. He says, you got to get ruthless with this stuff, this low level living. You got to get ruthless from it, with it. And then he goes on to say this, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed. And then he sums up all those things by saying, which is idolatry. 
So adultery is the worship of anything that's, that's outside of worshiping God. And so think about that list that he gives us. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed. At the heart of those sins, these first sins he lists, is a person. And that person is you. It's the worship of you. See, we want to worship us because we like us. And we know what we like. And we like us, and we like us to have what we like. Even though what we like a lot of times is killing us. But we like us. We like us some us, don't we? But what we don't realize is the enemy plays on this. He tells you you can be your own God when really you're serving him. And what he's leading you to is death. And what's interesting is when he lists these things off, he lists sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed. At the heart of some of these things, see, see the greatest enemy to your, to your worship and affection for God is you. Like no one can steal your worship away from God like you because we like us. But he, but he lists off these things and at the heart of many of these things he lists is sex and sexual immorality and impurity. And, and if you look at history, you look at biblical history, you look at the history of the world, a lot of the worship that's taken place that's outside of the worship of, of the one true God in many cultures that have existed throughout all history at the heart of these pagan practices of worship was sexual illicit activities. Where they, they would have sex with who they wanted to, when they wanted to, what they wanted. I mean, crazy pagan worship. Worship of us. And through it, they worship through their sexuality. And I want you to know, this is still going on. We don't call it that. But this is exactly what we see in the world today. People bow down every day at the altar of their sexuality. And they want to preach and share the gospel of their sexuality. This is who I am. My sexuality defines me. My sexuality allows me to redefine me. And it allows me to redefine the world and redefine what's right and what's wrong. And, I, and this is how I'm going to worship at the, at, the idol of, or at the altar of my sexuality. And if you don't like it, then you better watch it because this is right and you're wrong. And if you don't agree with this, you're off. It's, it's, wor- it's self-worship. And it's, it's what we do. It's what people tend to do. We tend to, we tend to put ourselves in the position of God. And, it's, and the reason we do it is because the enemy comes to you and tells you that that's the best way. That's the best life. This is what you, this is what you need to do. And so, guys, listen, we got to flip the script. And we got to kill off the world in us. we got to kill off these areas where we're bowing down to the altar of me and start bowing down to the altar of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Bowing down at the cross of Jesus and what he's done for you. You got to kill that stuff off. Why? Because if you don't, it will kill you. Romans 8.13 says, For you, if you live according to the flesh, according to the earthly nature, according to this world, it says you will die. Your dreams will die. Your hopes will die. God's plan for you will die. Your plans for you will die. Your marriage will die. You'll open up your life For the enemy to come and do what he does, steal, kill, and destroy, hurt your family, hurt your kids. Eventually, you will die if you keep this junk up. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit 
You put to death. There it is again. Somebody say kill. Kill. You kill the deeds of the body. The low-level living, you will live. You'll live. And notice that, that last word there. Sometimes we miss that word in a verse like this. He wants you to live. God wants you to live. God is not this cosmic killjoy up in heaven that's just trying to keep you from fun, keep you from enjoying life, stop you from having a good time. No, he's trying to keep you from something, and that something is death. But he wants you to live. He wants to give you life. In fact, that word live means to enjoy real life, to have true life, endless life in the kingdom of God. That's what God wants for you. In the kingdom, he wants you to have real life, true life. And so we got to flip the script. God's not, God's a good father. He loves you. And just like, you know, there's, there's things that he doesn't want you doing, but it's not to keep you from fun. It's to keep you from death. Just like if my kids want to go ride their bikes on the highway. Well, you know, the highways, you know, it's a nice road. It's big, it's wide, it's smooth, but there's also cars on the highway that will kill them. And so I'm going to go, no, we don't ride our bikes on the highway. Here's where you ride your bike. This is the safe spot. Listen, God's not trying to keep you from sex unless you're not married yet. Amen? Amen. Young people, no. Okay? Stay pure. Wait. Wait. People that are living together, talking to you too. Just so you know. Amen in those young kids, but wait, what are you talking about? Okay. Because it's the deeds of your body. See, we're, 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 thinking, we're not thinking from a heavenly perspective. God looks at that stuff and he says, you're living, with, you're living with somebody, that room that you go into to do married things in, that's a temple. That bed is an altar. And he sees it as worship. It's the worship of the God of you. So you got to put that stuff to death. You got to put it to death. How do you put it to death? You got to kill it off. You don't leash it. You don't cage it. You kill it. You get ruthless, okay? So let me talk about some ways you kill stuff. (laughs) You kill it with the word of God. The word of God is life. Oh, oh, actually, let me me show you this first. Romans 8, 13. How do you kill it? If by the spirit, now notice that, that word spirit, capital S. You know what that means? That means we're talking about the Holy Spirit here, the Holy Spirit of God. If by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Okay, so how do we do this? empowered by the spirit, submitted to the word. Okay, so let's start with the spirit. You need to invite the Holy Spirit into your life. There, you know, there, there is a baptism of the spirit in the spirit where you become fully saturated in the fullness of the spirit of God in your life. He wants to come empower you and all you have to do is ask for it. And if you ask God for the spirit of God, he'll give it to you and he'll empower you to live. And just so you know, it's not a one-time thing. When the Bible talks about being filled with the Spirit, it's an ongoing thing. It's a be being filled thing. So every day, you've got to continually keep coming back. Because listen, the Holy Spirit is, is power, but he's not a power. He's a person. He's the person of power. He's the helper that God sent you. But, but because he's a person and he's God, he's a perfect gentleman. And so he doesn't go where he's not invited. So if you want his power in your life, if you want his help in your life, you have to invite him in and you got to invite him in on the daily. It's not one time and you're good. It's every day. Holy Spirit, I need you today. I recognize I live in a broken world 
and I have a broken flesh and I'm working out and I need you to help me to think thoughts higher than the thoughts of this world, Holy Spirit. Help me to put to death the deeds of this earthly body where these low-level living, these low-level thoughts, I gotta get rid of that stuff. So Holy Spirit, help me with that. You gotta invite him into your life. So you kill off with the Spirit of God. You kill off with the Word of God. You gotta get in the Bible. Discover the promises of God. Discover what the Word of God has to say about you. Discover who you are in the kingdom of God. Understand your identity in Christ Jesus fully. Speak the word over your life. Meditate. The Bible talks about meditating on the word. That just means you keep coming back to verses and you allow that Holy Spirit to speak and show you and direct you and lead you to new truth through the word. Kill off with the Holy Spirit. You kill off with light. Kill off with light. You know, sin thrives in darkness. And one of the ways you overcome sin and put it to death is you flip the light on. That's why we encourage you here at New Song Church to get in a group, to get on a serve team, to get connected. Don't just come and show up and walk out. You need relationships. And because in those relationships, you can go to people and you can say, hey, I'm struggling here. I'm having a hard time here. My mind's been going to this place or I'm, th- I'm getting angry all the time or I'm whatever it may be. You need those relationships. If you're married, let me just let you know that your spouse is that relationship for you. You need to talk to your, your husband, you talk to your wife. And I get it, it's hard sometimes. It's hard to tell your wife, hey, hon, I'm struggling with lust. I, I, I'm struggling with pornography. That's not an easy conversation to have. But there's something that happens when you expose darkness to light. You go in this room today, if we, if we turn all these lights off, it's dark in here. But the moment you turn the lights on, it's light. Like there's not a fight that takes place. You never go in a room that's dark, flip on the light switch, and you wait to see which one's going to win. No, no, light just wins. It always wins. So when you expose the darkness in your life to the light, you'll win, okay? So you put it to death, you kill it off with the light, and then you kill it off with prayer. Pray in the word of God. Pray and partnering. You know, that's why we have at the end of the service, we, we have our altar counselors come down and we invite you to come down and pray because there may be some stuff in you that you need to get rid of, that you need to take care of. And one of the ways you're gonna do that is being humble enough to come down and say, hey, I, I gotta kill this stuff off. There's some stuff in me, it's gotta die. And I'm, I'm partnering with you in prayer. You need to pray in the spirit. One of the gifts that we have through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit is a prayer language where you can pray a perfect prayer in perfect agreement with God's will and, and word for your life. You can't do that on your own, but through the Spirit, you can yield your tongue to the Spirit of God and you can pray that way. And the Bible says when you do it, it builds you up. I don't know about you, I need to be built up sometimes. I kind of need to be built up all the time. So I'm gonna pray in the Spirit. In fact, Paul boasts about how much he prays in the Spirit. So if he boasts about that and he's like one of the great people of the Bible, like we gotta pursue this kind of stuff, right? So so we're, we're living kingdom down. We're bringing kingdom realities into this world. So we're going we're gonna to change. We're going to kill off some stuff. We're going to put that stuff to death. We're going to lay it on the altar and we're going to slit its throat and bleed it out because if we don't, it'll keep coming back and it will eventually kill you. Amen? Amen. Here's the last thing. Point number three is you got to put on. Let me also say this. Put on and put off. Put on and put off. Look at verse 10. Colossians 3.10. Put on the new self. And before it says that, it says you got to put off that old stuff. Put on the new self, which is being renewed, made new in the knowledge of the image of the creator. Put on the new self. Again, it's intentional. And, and when you think about this, the, the, as I was thinking about this this week and meditating on this verse, the thing God reminded me of is it's kind of like putting on clothes. You know, you, you woke up this morning and you came to church and you put on clothes. 
and thank you for that. I'm glad you, I'm glad you made that decision. You didn't come to church in your pajamas. You know, sometimes I see guys at the airport walking around in their pajamas, grown men. It's not okay. Amen. Not okay. Weird. Weird, weird stuff. But you got up this morning and you were in your jammies and you said, okay, I'm going to church. So you had to think through that. You didn't just wake up and it was like, you didn't wake up and it was like the reality of awake hit you and you're dressed for church. No, no, no. You had to go in the closet and you had to think, okay, I'm going to church. I'm transitioning into church. And so I got to put on clothes that are appropriate for church, right? And it's a transition that takes place. And that's kind of what clothes do when you think about it. I mean, I remember being a kid and being on a sports team. I remember I was on this one sports team and we got like legit baseball uniforms. Like we had a belt. And that was like the big moment there when you get like a belt and stirrups in baseball. Yep. So I'm going to put this baseball uniform on and I'm transitioning. I'm going from being little Josh Blunt to King Griffey Jr. There's a transition. And I'm aligning myself with my team. And we got a purpose of winning. And I got a purpose of dominating in this game. It's a transition from, from little Joshy to King Griffey Jr. You, when you graduate high school, you graduate college, what do they do? They put you in a cap and gown. And there's a transition. You're going from this state of living that you had before to new, a new state where you're in a new reality and a transition takes place. Ladies, you get married, and what happens? You put on a wedding dress. You're transitioning from who you are, your maiden name, to this new identity you have in this family with a new purpose and a new plan on a new team with your husband. Or, and, and, and this is a new reality that's taking place. We, we see this over and over again. And the idea here is we put on the new self. What, what he's saying is when you met Jesus, you literally became a new person. On the inside you became a new person in Christ Jesus, a different person. And now you have a new allegiance. You're part of a new team. You have a new identity and you're on a new mission. And we got to dress ourselves in that. That's who we are in the kingdom. And that's what we dress ourselves here in the reality. So we, we got to put off that old stuff. That may be who we used to be, but we're not that anymore. I may have been dressed like that for years. That may have been how I grew up. But now my reality, who I am is in Christ Jesus. And I'm going to live dressed in that. My identity is in him. My mission is in him. My identity, my purpose, my plans, what I'm doing, it's in him. There's a story in the Bible where Jesus is going to visit a friend. People have come to him and they tell him, your friend Lazarus is sick. And so Jesus is going to see him. And if you know the story, he gets a little busy on his way there. And just so you know, he didn't blow it. He was purposeful. He knew exactly what he was doing. But he shows up. And when he gets there, Lazarus is dead. And Lazarus is dead to the point that he's dead and he's rotting. And Jesus shows up on the scene. And the reality in the world is he's dead and he's rotting. And Jesus, from his position of authority, walks into that scene and begins to call to, a, to, to Lazarus. And he calls him out of death into life, which is exactly what he offers to anyone who's in death here in this world. He's calling you out of this death of this world into life. So he calls to Lazarus and, and, and Lazarus comes to life and he walks out of this tomb. And when he walks out, something interesting takes place. You see in scripture that he's still dressed in the clothes, the burial clothes, to the point that Jesus has to be like, hey, you guys help him out. Help him get that stuff off. 
And, and, and he's, he's wrapped in these, these clothes of death. And, and before that, when Jesus says, hey, take that stone away, we're going we're gonna to pull him out of here, the people are like, uh, he stinketh. Like, that's King James, stinketh. <laughs> Which you can use that, like, with your, in your car with your family, and like, one of the, who stinketh? You can use that. It's kind of a more polite way of saying some of the things we say in the car. Anyway, <laughs> he stinketh. So, so, so he's got the stench of death on him. And he's wrapped in death. But underneath all that, he's been made alive. He's new. Jesus has called him out of death into life. Listen, when you made Jesus the Lord of your life, the reality is you may not feel it, but on the inside, you're new. Now, there still may be some wrappings on you. The, the stench of death may still be on you a little bit in, in, in the, on the outside. We're working out our salvation. And one, one of the things I love about this story is that Jesus calls to other people to help him unwrap that stuff. That's kingdom living. That's where you, you're not only getting the dead stuff off of you, but you're going over to your brother and your sister and you're saying, hey, let's get this junk off. Let's get this death. Let's get this stink off of you. We're in this together. We're working this out together. So we're living from this life inside, working it out on the outside. That's what Jesus did for you. That's what's available to you. Something supernatural. So now we, through Jesus, can look at our life and say, well, that's how I used to think. But, but that doesn't line up. That way of thinking doesn't line up with who I am in the kingdom. It doesn't line up with who Jesus says I am. So, so I'm not going to live based on that way of thinking. I'm going to live based on what the word of God has to say. That's how I used to act. But that way of acting doesn't line up with who I am in the kingdom. I won't be doing that in heaven. So I need to get that out here on this earth. So Holy Spirit, I need you to help me. I need you to empower me to, to put that stuff to death. That's how I used to, to react. That's how I used to see women. That's how I used to, to operate. But that's, that's not kingdom living. That's not who I'll be in heaven. And so, hey, brother in Christ, sister in Christ that's in my small group, because I'm in a small group, because I, I do what pastor says to do. Amen. <laughs> I need you to help me. Yeah. Wife, I need you to help me. Husband, I need you to help me. We invite people in and we begin to unwrap the death, unwrap the stink. I'm putting away these old grave clothes. I'm putting on who I am in Christ Jesus because who I am there for eternity is what I'm going to align my life with here on this earth. My identity is in Christ and my identity comes from above and life comes from above. Let me show you one more verse and we're done. Romans 12 says this. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. And let me just tell you, that's the good news of a Christian. You're not on your own. You're not trying to do this in your own strength and your own power. God helping you. The capital S spirit of God wants to help you. Wants to help you take your everyday, ordinary, your sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life. That's kind of everything, right? And place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it with everything, without even thinking, is what it says. Boy, that's good. That's what we do. We, it's not we're bad people. We just we live in the culture, and we tend to allow the culture to shape our thinking. God's saying, no, 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 let's, let's reshape our thinking. Let's get intentional. Let's set our minds on things above. Let's set our hearts on things above. He says this, he says, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. 
We're living from the inside, who we are in the spirit, out, being renewed in our life. Readily recognize what he wants from you and, quick, and quickly respond to it. You know what he wants from you? Your love. Yes. Your, your, just a connection with you. That's what God wants from you. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of maturity, low level, God brings the best out of you. Develops well-formed maturity in you. We gotta flip the script, church. We're not living culture up. We're living kingdom down. God's got good things for you. And at the heart of it, he wants to be close to you. He wants to love you and he wants to be loved by you. He wants you to know him. That's why we wanna help people in this church know God step into real relationship with him. Not routine, not ritual, but real relationship with a loving, living Father God who has done everything he can to make a way for you. He has a place for you. It's a close place. It's a place of provision, promise, purpose, and he invites you to that place today. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.